turn around Every now and then I get a little bit lonely And I don't know the words Turn around This bit isn't working out I don't think that Dev is gonna like it When he comes back in the room Every now and then I improv A terrible parody of an old song <laughs> You having fun over there? I'm having a lot of fun Figured, uh, what better way to intro uh, a podcast that came about kind of by accident uh, with some really stupid bullshit. Do you want to keep that? We can keep sure, that. yeah. I think it's funny. All right. It sucks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Disaster Peace Publishing House. I'm Dev Solovey. And I am Cy Metz. And uh, this is a podcast about the good, bad, but mostly bad if weird internet literature... Dramatic Dramatic readings readings included. included. So that's something that we just decided to do, like the last episode we recorded, but not the one. Yeah. This is off to an amazing start. We've recorded a bunch of these already, even though this is the first one. I was going to publish this later. Publish this later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to have Spongebob and uh, Twilight Sparkle be our first episode. Oh, okay, cool. So so this is is still pretty early on. uh, It's just kind of funny that... I think as the episodes go on, it'll seem like we know what we're doing more and more. <laughs> However, chronologically up to now, this is the most we've done, and this yeah. is going terribly, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to be going over kind of the, the genesis of this podcast, which happened kind of on accident, and it started with uh, a, a little piece called The Sonic Bible. Well, no, it started with My Immortal, I guess. I had the grand idea to make a full audiobook production of My Immortal with a voice cast, and so I hit up Sai because I know he's he's got a very good range when it comes to doing voices. Now, there was too much noise at my house, like background noise from me record at my house at the time anyway, so I came over to his house to record. He offered, which was great, and, or, excuse me, they offered, which was great. Uh, Finger gun noises. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Oof, I'm so bad at remembering that stuff place and i say like i'm gonna start a youtube channel where i do readings of bad stuff i'm gonna start off with the sonic bible just to kind of get familiar with it so i start reading the sonic bible and it's just kind of a rehearsal it's informal and at some point along the way Sai jumps in and makes a comment uh and it was funny and this this happened maybe i want to say two or three times and then at some point you're like is it okay if i jump in i'm like yeah absolutely and so this started happening more and more until by the end of it we were actually doing some like literary analysis of the sonic bible (laughs) um at some point in the middle of the read, I explain the background of the Sonic Bibles. So I won't go into it here. Suffice it to say, it's a weird bit of canon, non-canon that exists because of a, a fractures in Sega. If you want a more detailed breakdown of it, the way I found it is the, the way most people find it, which is through that one Unraveled video that Brian David Gilbert did on it, which is absolutely stellar. So uh, You heard it here, folks. Brian David Gilbert, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know it yet, but he is. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll go into reading the Sonic Bible. It starts out a little slow, just a fair warning, and it's because I'm just reading it. But it, it picks up, and then after that, we'll introduce uh, Carl White's Mattress Planet, which I'm going to wait and have Psy introduce that one once uh, the Sonic Bible is up. So without further ado, here's the Sonic Bible. Sonic the Hedgehog Bible. One, the Sonic story. Sonny Hedgehog was born on Earth in the early 21st century in the town of Hardly, Nebraska, population 1,226. He and his mother and five sisters live underneath a scraggly hedge beside the local burger joint and subsist on burger scraps, milkshakes, and the occasional slug or bug that crawls their way. They are a poor but happy family. 
Unfortunately, Sonny's dad died when Sonny was just a few days old after falling into a gurgling, festering vat of toxic waste dumped in a nearby pond. Mama Hedgehog does her best to keep dad's memory alive, however, regaling the kids with stories of his goodness, resourcefulness, and great agility. He was the fastest hedge runner this town has ever seen, she exclaimed as her family enjoyed tea and mealworms in front of a roaring fire. I hope all of you will take after him, she said wistfully as she cast a loving eye upon Sonny. Sonny looked up at the framed photo of his father which stood proudly on the mantel. The firelight cast strange yet comforting shadows on the earthen walls and ceiling of the burrow. All at once, the face in the picture seemed to snuffle and wink. Did you see that, Mom? Dad winked at me. He's counting on me to be somebody great. Did you see, Mom? Did you see? Said Sonny, jumping up and down excitedly. <laughs> Shh, honey. I'm sure that wherever he is in hedge heaven, your father is looking down on us all and sends his love. She gathered the dinner plates and smiled gently at her son. Never had a terribly good eyesight, she thought to herself. And yet there was something special about her son, something she couldn't quite put her paw on. There was something special about Sonny, many something specials, as a matter of fact. During the first summer of his life, Sonny grew handsome and clever, with thick, bushy brown quills, a headstrong personality, and a rambunctious sense of humor. His favorite trick was to frequent the local bowling alley and curl up in a ball uh, in the ball return, awaiting the grasp of an unsuspecting bowler. Yow! The bowler would shriek. Must be that darned hedgehog again, the bowler would yell, and the whole team would crack up at the practical joke. And sometimes, Sonny would change his tactic. He would curl up ever so tightly and stay perfectly still as the bowler tossed him down the alley. At the last moment, right before he hit the headpin, Sonny would uncurl and scamper away, routing the bowler's perfect score. Although he loved playing practical jokes on people, Sonny also loved people. While making the rounds for juicy tidbits and gossip, he would drop in on the ladies of the local quilting circle. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> to offer a convenient pin or needle from his ample portable supply. <laughs> Yeah. Am I allowed to interject? Or... Yeah, you are. Okay, so our... So, <laughs> what's the form? What's the format here? I have, I have some... I have some notes. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're not even... We're still on, like, page two. There's okay. 13 pages. He spent the summer frolicking in the town park with the other children, donating quills so they could scribble designs in the sandbox. In time, he noticed that his playmates drew the same pattern over and over again while pointing at him. S-O-N-N-Y. In this fashion, over a few weeks, Sonny learned to read and write. He was some hedgehog. <laughs> hey, oh, wait, hold on. So he, let me just get this straight. So he already knows how to gossip. He, he knows how to play practical jokes and the concept of bowling. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, what's that noise they keep saying and pointing at me and drawing me? What is that? Oh, now I can read and write. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I understood bowling before, but now I can read and write. This is like, I. it's written by a marketing agent. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it feels like it was written by an AI. 
does. It really does. AI generated uh, Sonic, Sonic sequel. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> I, I do like, though, how Sonny's name is S-O-N-N-Y and not Sonny, like yeah. you would think. Yeah, no, this is this was like, written in... Like, Come here, Sonny! Yeah, it was yeah. written in, like, 1991, to give you an idea. But more important than anything else he did, Sonny ran the hedges. Every night, while everyone else asleep, Sonny sprinted from one end to the other of the long hedge outside the burger joint. Sometimes he ran so fast that the world rushed by in a blur. He loved the feeling, pure exhilaration, a feeling like a dream that he could fly up from the ground and do great things. One day, his dream began to come true. After downing a particularly big, greasy late dinner, the coach of Hardly's track team stepped out of the door of the burger joint and started walking towards his car. When he glanced toward the hedge, he could scarcely believe his eyes, and wondered if he hadn't consumed one whopping beef glopper too many. <laughs> a blue streak darted in and out of the long hedgerow, streaking from one end to the other. The coach drew out his stopwatch and tried to clock the object. Impossible! He muttered to himself, he's too fast to clock. This creature was the fastest runner he'd ever seen. In no time at all, Sonny was on the team, competing in local, then regional track tournaments. Wait, <laughs> hold on. I was initially thinking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> got, got some questions about continuity. Okay, so I thought that this was some sort of weird sequel where Sonic, the Sonic we all know and love, has perished in some terrible accident and his sacrifice no. has somehow brought peace. No, do you no. not know the origin story of the Sonic Bible? <laughs> I, I do not. So it was, it, it's intended to be the creation of Sonic. Okay. Um, it was basically uh, Sega of Japan, they wanted a mascot, they created Sonic, but Sega of Japan and Sega of America had some creative differences about okay. Sonic. And so this woman named Madeline Schroeder, she wrote this Sonic Bible, which was intended to be the backstory of Sonic. It had very little bearing on the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's what this is. This okay. is the origin story. I, I'm thinking of it as like an Ouroboros, where like <laughs> this is like the soft reboot Sonic that is implied to take place in the aftermath of the good I, ending of the original franchise. With, with the way this is like a Midwestern story about a hedgehog with daddy issues, it's... I think, I think Brian David Gilbert put it best when he said it's like if the CW did Sonic. <laughs> like, okay. Well, that's I, pretty I, much what it is. I'm taking too much of this time up. Go on. <laughs> and as the summer days lengthened, so did the line of trophies that Sonny brought back home to line the burrow. The whole town was proud of him. The coach began talking about Sonny as an Olympic hopeful. And then nature <laughs> and his mother called... <laughs> Sonny, I know you want to be a great runner, and you will be someday, but first you need to rest a bit. Don't you feel the chill in the air? It's nearly fall. Soon it'll be time to hibernate, Mom. Gee whiz, I don't have time to hibernate. Can I keep practicing all winter? He pleaded. But Mom was adamant. Concerned that practice all year round during his first year of life would permanently stunt Sonny's growth, she insisted. She prepared the burrow for the long winter, lining Sonny's chamber with soft, dry leaves and pine needles. The coach and Olympic stardom would have to wait until spring. All over town, the mercury shrank lower and lower, hunching down in a thick finger of silver. What a stupid fucking way to say that, let me just say. 
She's the cocaine went up the nostril as I typed these words. What the fuck else could mean cold? It's a marketing agent trying to write prose, and it's just... <laughs> it's... I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, please continue. It's... No, you're right. Farmers put up their corn and oats. Families canned summer produce. And the hedgehog family withdrew from the light of day, safely ensconced in the burrow. Sonny read a comic book and listened to the rattle of bridge, uh, brittle hedge branches whipped about by the wind. He felt fat and content from a meal of candied apples that the townspeople had generously invited him to take home from their Halloween party. He chuckled as he remembered carrying back an entire bushel on his back, neatly skewered on his quills. Then, suddenly, he had an idea. There's really no reason why I have to stay here sleeping all winter. I can just tunnel over a few feet and pop up on the far edge of the hedge. Mom will never miss me, he thought, pleased at this stroke of cleverness. And Yo, the bitch is asleep. I'm going to sneak out. <laughs> and so he began to tunnel. He tunneled five, then ten minutes, all the while thinking of the great track contests he would win in the spring. As he counted his victories, his digging became more and more enthusiastic, and he grew more and more tired. Just a short nap, he thought. And then I'll tunnel upwards. So he curled up for a brief snooze. One hour passed. Then, one day. Is he gonna rip Van Winkle into the future? Is that what this is doing? <laughs> this goes in some directions, my okay. dude. We're just at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> Succumbing to natural instinct, Sonny, with three N's, uh, <laughs> drifted deep into hibernation beyond Alpha beyond beta, beyond even delta waves. He felt peaceful and secure. The quiet was wonderful, but like most peaceful times in the 21st century, it didn't last long. Uh, I don't know how to make Five thousand years into the future. <laughs> I don't know how to make these sound effects. I'm not going to. Robot noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the earth above him shook. The ground grew warm and then hot. Sonny awakened, drenched in sweat and shaking, but not from fear. Everything around him was shaking. He looked up at the ceiling of his small cave and saw the earth churning. Zow! Time to clear out of here, he thought, digging... <laughs> Zow. <laughs> digging furiously to escape whatever it was that was Me, as the SWAT team, <laughs> burst down my door with their stormtrooper boots. Assault rifle pointed at my face. Yikers! Yikers. <laughs> yeah. Willikers! <laughs> like zoink, Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> quick, 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 he panted. I must survive. And then he felt something. A rusty pipe just large enough to squeeze through. He scrambled through the pipe, his toes clattering on the metal. After what seemed like innumerable twists and turns, he saw the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. Relieved, he ran towards it and tumbled head over heels out of the pipe and into an immense room. Well, well, look who we have here. Erinaceus Europaeus. A trim, kindly, mustachioed man bent over Sonny. Sonny had been called many things in his life, but never something so strange as this. Are you all right? The man asked. Wait a minute, silly of me. Let me aim the lingua scrambler at you and see what you've got to say. Sonny was too dazed to protest as the man wheeled over an odd-looking contraption that was somehow shaped like all the letters in the alphabet mashed up together. He pointed it at Sonny. Like a blob? 
dude. This is not the weirdest thing that happens here. <laughs> to me, it is. <laughs> it's one of the weirder ones. This is someone who has no visual eye. Nope, no, none whatsoever. She just thought like, what? It, wouldn't it be crazy if? And then it's you do it, and it's like, oh, it's like this, square. This woman unironically calls herself the mother of Sonic. Uh, I had sex with that dead hedgehog. <laughs> He's my sonny. Oh, man. I told him to hibernate, and this is what happened to him. <laughs> my name's not Akitas, it's Sonny. What's happening out there underground? Sonny heard himself squeak in an accusing tone of voice. He had never spoken human before. Oh, that. So sorry it disturbed you. That's my Cogwinder retractable particulate corer. I'm using it to dig for emeralds. Found six, looking for the seventh. Then my work will be done, the man explained, smiling and speaking very quickly. He seemed to have a lot on his mind and few words to waste. He had already returned to an enormous control panel at the far end of the room, where green and red lights danced in ribbons of paper spewed from a printer. Sonny was too amazed to say anything more. It was obvious this man was some sort of genius, or totally wacko, or perhaps both. Sonny trotted across the gleaming floor of the lab, marveling at the dazzling array of contraptions lined up along the walls, atop counters, and piled high on shelves. What are you doing with all this stuff? Who are you? Sonny demanded, stamping his foot with impatience. The magnificence of the lab had not put a damper on his boldness. Curiosity! How I love curiosity! You have the makings of a top-notch scientist, if only you can hold on to this admirable quality," the man proclaimed, now giving over his full attention to Sonny. My name, see here, he pointed to the tag on the lapel of his starchy white lab coat, is Dr. Ovi Kentobor. You can call me Dr. K. Uh, that's yeah. kind of a Robotnik backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I. That's actually canon. Like, oh, that's there, canon. There's okay. an. Kintober is like a guy, I think. Okay, see, I've never yeah. played a Sonic game, so I wouldn't know. You can call me Dr. K, and my mission, my little friend, uh, is to yeah, save the Ovi, planet from Ovi destruction. Kintober, I think, gets crucified like Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> um, Good to know. And for now, that is all you need to know. Unless, of course, you can help me find the Grey Emerald. The Grey Emerald? Six other emeralds? Saving the planet? During the long months of winter, with a diligence that nearly matched the intensity of Kintobor's experiments, Sunny drew out some of the stories behind these seemingly disparate topics. Is it Kintobor or Kintober? However, it's whatever you want it to be. I kind of like Kintobor. It's more dramatic. Kintober is funnier, though. <laughs> Kintober. It, sound, it sounds like an artist prompt for October, where they just draw all the characters that they think they used to be in a previous life. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like that. For uh, this Kintober, I'm going to talk about how I was once Ivo Kintober. It is one letter away from Kinktober. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to stick with Kintobor just because that's how I have it in my head. Yeah. Kintobor, Sonny learned, was a brilliant neutrobiologist and former team leader of the government's controversial Nuvolution research. The goal of the research was to somehow reverse the effects of accumulated centuries of pollution and restore Earth to its natural pristine state. The Nuvolution team of biologists, physicists, botanists, and astronomers 
worked assiduously towards this goal for 15 years. Then, on the verge of a breakthrough concerning the structure and behavior of free radical subatomic particles, funding for the work was cut. With their project doomed to oblivion, the scientists scattered. Many team members took lucrative positions in private industry. Others went mad with frustration, but Kintivor abhorred such resignation to one's fate. Instead of bailing out, he sabotaged the government's security system and moved the lab, lock, stock, and barrel, to a former radioactive dumping site in northern Nebraska, several miles away from Hardly. Damn, Snowden fucking wishes. <laughs> I know. He figured he had selected the perfect site. What better place to test his solution than underneath the nation's most notorious top-secret toxic wasteland? All of course. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. All things natural, all creatures left untouched and uncontrolled by humans. This summed up Kintobor's concept of the beautiful and the sublime. As an extension of this passionate philosophy, besides working to save the planet, Kintobor had another goal. To rescue any poisoned or struggling animal he managed to find in the course of his excavations. Dozens of bunnies, squirrels, ducks, and even baby piglets were among the regular group of guests residing in his lab. All were welcome to spend time gaining strength, resting, and eating Kintobor's excellent cooking. <laughs> when fully recovered, <laughs> they were encouraged to return to the wild. During this particularly severe winter, the animals were only too happy to remain in the lab until spring, a fact that was very good news for Sunny. Day after day, he delighted in making friends and playing games with the other animals, even teaching several to read and write. When Kentivore noticed Sonny's academic skills, a light flashed on above his head. Sonny, he said, vacation's over. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Henceforth and forthwith, I'm making you my assistant. That is, if you accept, of course, he added. Fuck you, I want to play video games! <laughs> Not now, Mom, I'm playing Minecraft. <laughs> hey, fuck, yeah, hey, fuck my family. <laughs> I'm hanging out in this dope lab. I know. My mother is going to be worried about me, but she can suck it. I'm playing fucking video games here. Sonny <laughs> yeah. was thrilled at the prospect, because although Sonny had never known his father, Kintobor reminded him of the kind face in the photograph. The days flew by. <laughs> He's got daddy issues. And if, it just is now dawning on me how weird it is that these ostensibly normal-ass hedgehogs have access to a camera. Because <laughs> yeah. this is certainly written back in the days where you had to go and get that shit developed by a guy. Yeah. <laughs> the days flew by with Sonny by Dr. K's side almost constantly. Sonny learned computer science from building small portable computers to programming the mainframe. He learned about physics, the old laws as well as the uh, as well as the a few new theories set forth by Dr. K. His curiosity was boundless, and it led him into every part of Kintobor's lab as he documented the results of each experiment. As the lab was vast, Sonny soon took to running at top speeds to perform all his duties. How odd, he thought, to find himself gradually replacing dreams of Olympic glory with a dedication to science and helping the other animals. Still, he knew he'd never be a nerd like Dr. K. So partly for relaxation and partly for Dr. K's amusement, he logged in several hours a day on the supersonic treadmill that Kintobor had built for him. Slowly, Sonny built his speed to 200, 
2400, then 761 miles per hour, the speed of sound. Then, impossibly, he crossed all known limits of acceleration and began running at the speed of light. Alarmed, Kintobor tried to slow the tread. You, you run as fast as the speed of light. Time to name you. Uh, sound. <laughs> you literally called it like it's that predictable. Alarmed, Kintobor tried to slow the treadmill. Although he managed to gain control of the machine and bring his friend's velocity down slowly, a change had overcome Sonny. Instead of his unexceptional grayish-brown color, most of his body had turned cobalt blue, and his quills stood straight back in a stiff mohawk. Wait, but she said earlier that when he was running, he turn he fall down, go blue. <laughs> you can't question this stuff. Right, it's the Bible. Yes, this the Bible. is this is Sonic Dogma. Okay, yes. unquestionable. <laughs> this is a bit of biblical literalism here. We're doing. My word! Exclaimed Kintobor, who struggled to comprehend what had just happened. I think you've gone blue from the advanced non-concussive cobalt effect. He said, <laughs> helping Sunny from the treadmill. One hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second. You're so fast, we should call you Sonic. Supersonic, even. How do you like that? Or, how do you like that? It's what it says. Oh, how do you like that? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> how do you like that? He cried, dancing around the lab like a demented pixie. Like demented pixie? Like a demented oh, pixie. okay. Still very weird. <laughs> Just his fingers extended, wiggling out, like... <laughs> yeah, I like that, answered Sonny. From now on, my name is Sonic. Now what? watch how fast I can help you get your work done. Sonny... Sonny <laughs> did speed up the pace and success of Kintobor's experiments. But with all his mental and physical agility, he was unable to find the Grey Emerald, let alone understand why Kindobor was so frantic over it. What's the point to finding another emerald when we've already got six perfectly good ones, he wondered to himself. That very same day, he stumbled upon the answer. Running through a part of the lab that was still a bit unfamiliar, he tripped over a thick mass of wires. That's strange. <laughs> That's strange, he thought. Dr. K is always so tidy with his equipment. He followed the cords and cables to a small room he hadn't ever been in before. There, in the center of the room, stood a large machine, comprised nearly totally of slender gold rings. The gold surfaces looked as though they had been crafted and polished with great care. Ah, I see you found the reverse quantum bioformulator. Excellent, said Dr. K, who had hurried over to Sonic's side. Why didn't you tell me about this thing? What do you use it for? Asked Sonic. For sounding! <laughs> I shoved them in my penis, dear boy. <laughs> Sorry, that was crass. No, that's, that's excellent humor in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> he felt a bit hurt that Dr. K had kept the machine a secret from him and fairly bristled with impatience. Did you ever ask about it? Dr. K countered. No! But now you are, so now you'll have your answer. But it's a long story, so let's have a bit of lunch, he suggested, <laughs> pulling a few hard-boiled eggs and muffins from a lunch bag he'd stuffed in his pocket. They pulled up chairs around the reverse quantum bioformulator and began to eat. As usual, Sonic gulped down his meal in a flash. 
cool. This is an old pro at fast food. Yeah, another light <laughs> metaphor for how fast Sonic is going. Yeah. I love that. Kintobor set a half-eaten egg on the counter near the machine and pulled a heavy iron key from his lab coat pocket. He walked over to a tall, lead-encased cabinet in the corner of the room, unlocked its door, and drew out a black velvet bag. These are the emeralds I told you about, Sonic, he said, carefully placing each on the black velvet. They were truly incredible. Deep, brilliant colors with perfect Tiffany cut shapes. Each must have weighed nearly a pound. They're perfect. Cut them myself, Kintobor boasted. They contain a microlytic copy of all the inert energy of every gross and disgusting impulse or deed done by humans since the beginning of time. I call it the just-in-case-I-need-to-be-evilizer. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Sonic gulped. You mean they're evil? Yes, evil and highly unstable. Pure chaotic energy. Kentobor sighed. Well, relatable, I guess. <laughs> I transmorphed the chaos of the world into the emeralds using the reverse quantum bioformulator. Now the only thing remaining to do is stabilize them with the gray emerald until we can find the gray emerald. We're treading on very thin ice. If the emeralds are disturbed, in theory, they will double the amount of evil in the world. Stabilized, they will rid the world of evil and pollution. That done, I plan to launch them into space where they can harm no one. He said. <laughs> okay, so huge gamble here. <laughs> yeah. On one hand, and I know there's a lot of writing on this, we get out scot-fucking-free. On the other hand, you know, we gotta do a little bit of damage control. Yeah. I think... It's worth a shot, all right? <laughs> I know. It's so conspicuous. Sonic's eyes grew <laughs> wide. So this I'm is why Kento, Kento Bar was always in a rush. <laughs> he was holding the fate of the world in his hands, reflected in the sparkling surfaces of the six emeralds. Dr. K noticed the expression on Sonic's face. Don't worry, he said. There aren't many forces that will push these beauties over the edge. The only problem I know of, I guard against by keeping them in this lead cabinet. That problem is, of course... He didn't have to finish his sentence. Radiation! Screamed Sonic, staring up at the computer screen on the wall. The next <coughs> few moments brought unspeakable <coughs> panic and confusion. The monitor glowed red with a display of impending wave of radiation that had somehow penetrated the Earth's surface and was heading straight for the lab. Kintobor scrambled to stuff the emeralds back in the bag. Sonic raced to the lead cabinet and flung open its doors, but in doing so, jostled the reverse quantum bioformulator. Kintobor lunged for the cabinet, lost his balance, and spilled the emeralds onto the floor. The RQBF turned on and cast a weird, sickly beam of light, first on Dr. K, then on the emeralds, then on the half-eaten egg on the countertop. Oh, that's how he became the Eggman! <laughs> Sonic took shelter in the cabinet and reached for Kintobor's oh, arm to drag sense. him inside. It all makes sense Yeah, now. see? Madeline Schroeder, she's on a oh, game. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't just a nickname. He's an Eggman. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Okay. Yep. So many questions answered. 
And then here's the portion where she tried to write a creepypasta and failed. <laughs> and then the egg turned to the screen with hyper-realistic bloody <laughs> eyes. And Squidward killed himself. <laughs> then everything stopped. There was no explosion, no shattered bits of glass or twisted metal. Just <laughs> silence. Sonic awakened in the pitch black of the lead cabinet. Dr. Kintobor was not inside with him. Sonic struggled to open the door and peeped out cautiously, in perhaps the only cautious act of his life. There lay Kintobor sprawled across the floor of the lab, but now he looked different, hideous, quite round with no muscle tone. His lab coat now stretched tight across his enormous girth. His arms were spread wide, distended by the buckets of flesh encumbering his frame. But the most alarming transformation was not in his physical person. It was in a small, significant detail that Sonic had by now mostly taken for granted. The name on Kintobor's lapel pin was different. Sonic stared at in shock. Dr. Ivo Robotnik was his dear friend's new name. Then, Sonic understood everything. Oh, me too, dude. <laughs> Hold on. Go, go, go back up for a second. Okay, so... Distended buckets of flesh. At the very least, sh this lady thinks that having the most evil soul in the universe is slightly worse than being fat. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Rad. All right. Yeah. At least she acknowledges that Sorry. you could technically be worse than fat. You could literally be the physical embodiment of eggy evil. Yeah, you could be some sort of human hard-boiled egg hybrid. Moments passed. It's difficult to say how long Sonic stood staring down at his friend. He realized he had to try and rescue his animal buddies and leave the lab in a hurry. If what he thought had happened had really happened, Kintobor had absorbed the evil of the Chaos Emeralds as well as the disgusting shape of the hard-boiled egg. He would awaken. He would awaken as the vilest, most evil personality on the face of the earth set to strike out at anything in path. Like an ovular Lucifer, he bumbled toward the, our protagonist. <laughs> Kintobor, or shall we say Robotnik, stirred. What are you gawking at, you ugly thing? Stand still so I can rip your quills out and turn you into an armadillo bot, Robotnik growled. Sonic jumped back and rushed out of the room to the main lab. He just comes <laughs> fully hatched out of the egg with the specific animal monsters that the Sonic games. Yeah. Uh, just like fully formed, just like, all right, time to be the thing that I was supposed to be. Yeah. Now, suddenly. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Madeline. Uh, Sonic jumped back and rushed out of the room to the main lab. Scampering at the speed of light, he had just enough time to grab a PC and race towards his friend's quarters. But by remote control, Robotnik had already sealed the door to the animal habitat. Sonic bolted out the bed. I'm sorry, think about that for a second. Hundreds of animals just died. Anyway, Sonic bolted out the back door to the lab, then remembered the RQBF. He ran back to grab as many golden rings as he could. Then Sonic scampered away at the speed of light, Robotnik's curses echoing behind him. The end. I hate that hedgehog! <laughs>
dog. <laughs> yep. So, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I simultaneously have all the questions and no questions at all. Yep. Um, I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> And, you know, I feel like I understand Sonic a little bit better now. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I mean, I've never played the Sonic games, but I just... And it's, like, it's amazing to me because if this woman is calling herself the the mother of Sonic, she's proud of this writing. Like, she's very proud of what she's done here. That, hey, look, the guy who tests condoms for Trojan... (laughs) has a mother, okay? (laughs) And his mother, God lover, loves him for who he is, you know? I Um, I mean, I would argue he's doing more of a service to the world than this woman did. Yeah, um, (laughs) this this woman has never had a conversation with a human being before. I don't think she's ever read a book before. I think she's, like, glanced at a book. (laughs) No, I I think that she read a lot of inside jackets of books. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. She makes attempts. Like, she makes attempts at good prose. It's just they never land. The funniest one was to indicate that it got colder. What was it? The... The mercury dropped or some shit. Yeah, where, I think that was like page. And I was like, I know what you're going for, but fuck you. Yeah, all over town, the mercury shrank lower and lower, hunching down in a thick finger of silver. See, I didn't even know what she was going for there because it talked about toxic waste at the beginning. So I thought it was literal mercury. Yeah. No, I just, I know what fucking, how people with ADHD and no uh, skill right yeah <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, i i can't relate to that at all <laughs> but yeah no it's like it, it is like she she tried her hand at creative writing when normally she's used to writing ad copy and it just shows you know yeah. it, it's like she tried to create some kind of compelling narrative with a scary ending uh and instead it it just it it reads like an ad you would watch on TV in the 90s. Yeah. So it's just fascinating and like weird. It's a weird mixture of tones, you know? Yeah. This is this is what Big the Cat thinks Sonic's backstory is. I mean, this, this is, is what this is what Big thinks is going on. I mean, to be fair, this is also what I think Sonic's backstory is cuz again, I haven't played any yeah. of the games. Well, you know. There, there is, a, there is an adaptation of Sonic where, for a while, parts of this were incorporated. Yeah, see, that's yeah. the thing. I, I've watched the live-action movie, um, and it is eerily similar to this, isn't it? Not really. I, I, I wouldn't say. I feel um, like some, like he reads comics. You know, there's like scenes where he he's yeah. He's, well, I mean that's that's been a part of you. You, you got to keep it into consideration too. Like there, this was post localization to a certain degree, right? There were things about Sonic that were established that she was working backwards from, right? Yeah, like that's true, yeah. Uh, with without any sort of like so there were parts of his personality that were just like already marketed yeah you know that yeah. was more than likely just something that would and I just I just find it very funny that his family subsists both on like regular things that hedgehog eats hedgehogs eat and also burger scraps and milkshakes yeah it's pretty <laughs> great actually <laughs> yeah. and I like how she says, 
they run the hedges. Like, that's something we should fucking know what that means. I know. It's like... She says it like fucking the maze runners say, run the maze. Or yeah. <laughs> My father, he ran the hedges... And I shall run the hedges like him, though it will lead me to my doom. I am proud of my stake in this world. I am a hedge runner. I just think, like, if I were to write this, there is... (laughs) Hear me out. There is a lot of, like, potential in Sonic's daddy issues because here he... So, like... It would explain why he hangs around a a buff guy who fists him all the time. (laughs) I don't know what you mean by that. Knuckles. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But the, uh, like, they, she really could have leaned into that because it's talking about, like, the, the mom, like, really talks about Sonic's dad a lot. Like, she clearly misses mm-hmm. him and didn't move on when he died. And then, you know, Sonic get, starts working with this scientist because the scientist reminds him of his dad. And then at the yeah. end, he has to watch that guy turn evil. Turn into a fat fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Who's also evil, don't worry. But that yeah. fucking gross fat fuck. Yeah, egg-shaped, disgusting. disgusting. Yeah. No. Oh, 180, 190 pounds at least. Yeah, with distended buckets distended of Distended buckets. <laughs> it's a terrible phrase. Um, but, like, you know, it's just... And that's just... It, and that's why the tone is so confused is because like she just doesn't know act, how to do this act three of of this movie she clearly wants to write yeah would be uh eventually uh he uses sonic uses the the deus ex machina rbqd qrbq whatever uh, yeah to unagalize Ovi, yeah, and then they fight the evil egg. They they fight a physical embodiment of all of the evil that he became, but it's a giant yeah. egg monster. I just I think, and it's, he throws a ring at at it, and that it turns and, it just into and, an egg. And that was the one ring. That um, was the one. Yeah, <laughs> but I I also find it really weird what she's done with these emeralds too, because. Like, it, from what I understand in the games, I've never played them. From what I understand, you want to collect those things, right? Like, yeah. It's like, um, okay, so the video games, like, had collectibles in them that back in the day, you know, you had secret endings for collecting all the shit, right? Right, yeah. So Super Sonic, you know, like, go yellow, beat a bad guy Sonic mm-hmm. was like a reward at the very, very end of beating the first game or whatever, uh, if you collect all the Chaos Emeralds. It was like right. a like a Zero Suit Samus showing up at the end of Metroid for doing a speedrun or whatever. The right, fuck. yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like that, and then, like, lore built around that. And it's just, like, this kind of thing where you kind of suspend your disbelief, and you go, like, I bet there's a video game explanation. The explanation is they're fucking these big magic things, and it's this neat little lore thing is that there are these things called Chaos Emeralds, and they just make you powerful, because it's a fucking yeah. video game, and that's how you world Yeah, goes. see, that's where Whereas she's just, like, she cannot live in a world where things don't have a concrete, like, physical explanation. Yeah. She can't suspend disbelief that there's just, like, a hedgehog who runs fast that's anthropomorphic. I mean, she made an attempt at writing lore for them. Yeah. the other way you could look at that. But I just think it's interesting because, it, you know, if, if in the games they're just an item that give you extra power, those are a thing you want. But yeah. here, the lore she's written for them is... Um, there's some sort of primordial artifact that collect the evil of the world, and, like, you don't I'm, want that. 
I'm, I'm sure that I, I'm not super up on my Sonic lore, bo- lore but more or less, like, that is kind of what the Chaos Emeralds do. Oh, okay. It, but it's like magic. Okay. It, it's more or less like this is a big, powerful thing that collect energy, you know? Yeah. But it's sort of like through a mystical lens, whereas yeah. here she's trying to ground it in fucking psychobabble. Yeah. Well, and, and like, let's... Let me find the section where she... Because she talks about, like... Every, like, every gross impulse or, or something or other. Yeah. So it's not just, like, truly evil shit. It's also, like, picking your nose. Yeah. You know? Jer- like, jerking off in front of your grandma, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, they contain a microlytic copy of all the inert energy of every gross and disgusting impulse or deed done by humans since the beginning of time. I just find it really weird that, like, one emerald can contain both... Uh, somebody picking their nose and Hitler genociding the Jews. You know? I, well, I think that's that's her trying to be prose for like the ha da ba da da as like adjectives, whereas then the literal thing that means they're evil. Yeah. So know? this is her attempt at prose. Yeah. 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 I. I. It's just. It's funny. That's an interesting read, but I don't think that's what she was going for. It's not what she was going for, but, but like, yeah, what she put anyway. Now I'm just imagining Hitler picking his nose while you know doing. The, <laughs> yeah. Doing the, yeah, you know, Poland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck them, take it. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. He, like, it's, looks at it like, oh, yeah. It's just, it, this, this particular attempt at prose is interesting to me because I feel like it actually changes what she's going for in a tangible way. Like, most of the time it's just stuff that's weirdly phrased. Like, this is weirdly phrased in such a way that it warps her meaning to something completely whack. Dude, this <laughs> is, this just reminds me of... Of fucking Scientology. This is written like an L. Ron Hubbard sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does have that a little bit of that tone. Anyway, that's the Sonic Bible. <laughs> uh, 11 out of 10 would fast again. Alright, and we're back. Um, so the next thing we're going to be doing is Carl White's Mattress Planet. Uh, so what happened was after we were done with the Sonic Bible, Sai gets this idea. He's like, I got something I need to show you. And I'm like, oh, excellent. Okay, let's bring it on. We'll record it. Uh, and uh, so why don't you tell us about Carl White's Mattress Planet? So Carl White's Mattress Planet is a a short piece of absurdist fiction. <laughs> uh, it, it was a, a shock pasta, you know, like a... People would write over-the-top, uh, incredibly shocking little short stories that were ridiculous to the point of absurdity, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously meant to be funny, right? So the it's it's a comedy piece. It's, it's a incredi- black comedy. It's a black comedy. Uh, there's there's child death. Lots of bodily fluids. Lots of bodily fluids. Um, um, non non consensual uh, gunplay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. There is spoilers. A... That's spoilers. Though. Yeah. The point is, there's there's gore and there's gross stuff, but it's presented in a very humorous way. It's not like like described in visceral detail to make you uncomfortable. It's described in a way that's just absurd and extremely funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it, it can be off putting, you know. Um, yeah. We, so we just, have just to. A yeah. We're putting these content warnings in here just to kind of cover our asses, but like. It's also you, worth... you really shouldn't be listening to the show 
it, I, I think that this is a good litmus test for <laughs> yeah. the range of, of stuff we might cover. Yeah, yeah, because the Sonic Bible, there was not really any content warnings needed because it was kid-friendly and it was designed to be that way. Carl White's Mattress Planet... Is the chemical opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's also kind of where we developed our format of, like, uh, bringing something to kind of surprise each other. Yeah. Um, is because, like, Sai comes over and they're like listen, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, like, should we do any content warnings? He's like, I'm not going to give you any because I know you can handle this. I just want to see your reaction. Yeah. Um, and so that's kinda... so uh, our format now is typically to read it to each other without spoilers mm. and then um, edit content warnings in beforehand. And content warnings in the descriptions, too, obviously. Yeah. So uh, I also want to give uh, a shout out to uh, my friend Pecan, because she is the one who read it to me for the first time. And the reason I want to give her a shout out is because she is a VTuber who streams and she's very good at it and very funny. Uh, her at is at Pecan San VT. Uh, go follow her. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Great promo. So without further ado, here is our recording of Carl White's Mattress Planet. All right, Dev. Have you heard of a piece of internet literature called Carl White's Mattress Planet? <laughs> no, but I'm extremely excited. All right. Uh, you're going to have to... Well, um, Dev, you're, you are going to have to put several content warnings afterwards but you'll pick up on it as we go along okay all right yeah this is okay but like i get think my reaction i okay. think yeah i think it'd be funnier if you go in blind because i know you can handle this okay okay i know you well enough okay to know yeah, that yeah yeah no no, it's, no it's a lot of this is shocking okay all right <laughs> okay this is carl white's mattress planet by jordan safert carl white's mattress planet was a popular place not mega popular, mind you, but popular enough that people knew it, and maybe even thought about it every once in a while. It wasn't a place you glanced over, unless you didn't need a mattress. Most people needed a mattress at the worst of times, and they weren't everyday purchases, but people had an idea of where they needed to go if they needed a mattress. Carl White's Mattress Planet. Carl was a nice guy. He wore nice navy suits with baby blue or sky Carl blues. was a nice guy. Is That, that does yeah. not give the impression you think it does. Mm -hmm. Well, no, he, he is. You'll, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I glanced a little bit, and this is where we might get my first break. Okay. okay. Carl was a nice guy. He wore nice navy suits with baby blue or sky blue, as he called it, dress shirts and underneath, and a regular toxic green tie. Sandy blonde hair had gone gray with age, and his firm smile had grown withered, but he was still Carl. Fucking Carl. For his son's eighth birthday, he promised him a party with the Balloon Castle. One of the big bouncy ones that were like a low-quality maze, but with high-quality moon-jumping action. But Carl couldn't afford a Balloon Castle. The RGB Super Fun Factory on the edge of town had fallen off the earth, leaving Carl with no real options. It wasn't like there was a second Balloon Castle rental place in town. He eyed his feet, looked up into the mirror, and farted through his lips. Well, uh, hmm. That is a horrible way to describe that. <laughs> or an incredible way to describe that, depending on your perspective. 
fucking right there. Bounce Castle Emporium. Carl pointed a finger at himself in the mirror like, Carl, you goddamn genius. Carl White's Mattress Planet. Three days later, a crowd of eight-year-old boys, each more hideously dressed than the last, filed their way into Carl White's Mattress Planet. Take off your goddamn shoes, Carl shouted. He did paperwork while the kids jumped around in his mattress. He quietly remarked to himself that this is fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> it speaks for itself. <laughs> okay, okay. Mr. White, watch! Some weird kid screamed. Carl looked up from his desk just in time to see two boys take a flying leap and slam into each other in midair. One fell to the floor and landed on his knees. Rug burned from the rub rub rug. He pissed his pants and started crying. The other boy, not so fortunately, twisted through the air and broke his neck off a table, falling limp to the floor. Damn. He shit his pants, but no tears <laughs> came to <through> his eyes. <laughs> That should not be as funny as it He shit his pants But no tears came to his eyes Instead Blood ran from under his eyelids And mixed with a dislodged pile of puke That had blown up from inside the child's throat (laughs) Shit Fuck Shit Ass Fuck, dick, stick a dick, fuck a bitch, cocksucker, hot action, Mr. White screamed. He frantically dialed 911, his finger running over the buttons like a hand cheetah, so cast cat blisteringly, finger fucked that the police could barely hear a word he stuttered. He fumbled the receiver in between his hands, gulped down a ball of saliva the size of a water balloon, sweat pouring into his mouth and down his cheeks, only to steam up from under his hot collar. Kid's dead. Carl White's mattress planet. Technically, only an MD can pronounce a child dead, the officer replied. <laughs> <laughs> only an MD can do this. Okay, Dev, it's very important that you let me flow these, these two lines together. Go ahead. Technically, only an MD can pronounce a child dead, the officer replied. You are a fuck sock. <laughs> the boy, who had been wearing a blue shirt with a pair of scissors on it, lay motionless on the floor. His father was the first to arrive, and with a mind-blowing show of caution, he scooped his boy up into his arms. The child's limp body hung in his father's warm grasp. But that didn't matter, because the kid was fucking dead. (laughs) The father, Mr. Weston, tears running from his eyes, looked up at Carl and bit his lip. My son is fucking dead. Because you are too fucking goddamn stupid to move a fucking table. Fuck you, Mr. White shouted, wagging his still sore finger. You're a dick! No, fuck you, Carl! You fucking double cock fucker and sucker! Carl was stunned into silence. It was the worst insult anyone has ever conceived. He practically shit himself with anger, a blood vessel popping right above his eye, sending a thin turd log from his forehead and onto the ground. I just shit out my face. That's amazing! (laughs) At least my son isn't fucking dead, Carl shouted, a shower of spit raining through the air. Oh yeah, you dumb dick, Mr. Weston, father of the dead boy, grabbed his blood-soaked child by the split bone in his foot. The lip carcass swung back and forth aimlessly and out of control, rising and falling with Mr. Weston's shocked breaths, swinging his own dead son over his shoulder. He lumbered across the room into Mr. White's son, Jake. 
Jake, I hope you like being dead as much as my son does. (laughs) 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 Any thoughts? Is that it? That's the end? No, no, there's more. There's okay, more. okay, okay. Go ahead. There's like a couple of paragraphs left. Okay, okay. Jake felt slim white shards of his own skull recede into the depths of his lumpy brain as a demon possessed Mr. Weston smashed him across the face with the face of another dead boy. He could taste puke, and not just his own, as it mixed with raw pus farting like a white juice cocktail out of the back of his undulating throat. No, you worthless fuck! Mr. White screamed, drawing a gun from his desk drawer in his office. He shivered with horror as he bumble-fucked his way across the room, his shoes practically shaking off his feet. We're not even fathers anymore, you prick-wasting fuck-dumper! I'm gonna fuck your ass with this gun! (laughs) Wait, is that it? No. Oh my god. (laughs) Mr. Wed took the barrel of the gun and lubricated it with his mouth, thrusting it back and forth between his lips the way he often did with his wife's cock. Eh, not a fan of that line. Just inserting it there, that's... That's the thing I find the most appalling about this. Okay, okay. Yeah, just putting that out there. He ran across the room in a zigzag pattern, a pattern known to confuse child killers, and threw his own (laughs) through the air, missing Mr. Weston by an inch and a half. Mr. Weston knuckled Mr. White in his fat side, Mr. White taking just enough time to suck in another breath before launching his clenched fist through the air again. He then pistol-whipped a distraught Mr. Weston, child murderer, across the face. Streaks of gunmetal gray cut into Mr. Weston's flesh, chunks of gore partitioning themselves from the old man's face like wet chunks of roast beef. I hope you enjoy cold steel in your asshole! (laughs) From the corner of the store, where most of the kids had either crowded around the front window or escaped out the side door, four children started crying almost simultaneously, their whimpering faces so sad, even Mr. White, in his fearless and raged state, oh, yeah, I couldn't bear this to was look. A kid's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> These kids won't. <laughs> so sad that even Mr. White, in his fearless and raged state, couldn't bear to look. So he turned away. Asshole. Fuck. Asshole. Fuck. <laughs> Mr. White fucked the other father with a gun. Now nobody wins, you piece of dick. I hope you drown in a sea of diarrhea, pissed out a shivering, click cocking ass fart. Mr. Weston's asshole, shout out bloody diarrhea. I hope you like that shit on your hands, you dick. You know what? Mr. White screamed. I don't. But I bet you don't like this gun up your fucking ass either. Now lick my eyeball full of dicks. Ah, ah, ha, 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 ha. And that's the end. Incredible. <laughs> Carl White's Mattress Planet. In retrospective... Uh, yeah. If there's like a spicy pepper indicator, like you know, for like hot sauces, yeah. But for child skulls, I'd put this one at a two out of five. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was. Is there a story behind this? Like, who wrote this? This is just on Fiction Press. Yeah, this is just on Fan Fiction Press. But yeah, it's just a, it's a shock fic. The the line, "Hey Jake, I hope you like being dead as much as my son does," is <laughs> immortal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a banger for sure. Yeah. Also, he quietly remarked to himself that this is fucking gay. <laughs> yeah. Again, that tells you everything you need yeah. to know. <laughs> any any thoughts? Any feelings? Thoughts? Um, it is amazing to me that uh, like the scope of human creativity <laughs> <laughs> and and what human minds. Uh, come up with and what lives in people's heads 
I don't want to know what lives inside this man's head. I think we do now. <laughs> yeah. This this fiction that he that he wrote. Um, Has he written is, anything else? Let's see. Sifting City. Supernatural. Her crumbs is he drama. a teenager? Wait, is that a picture of him or no? Jesus Christ, he looks like he's 14. This is truly the face of a demon. <laughs> Not now, Mom. I'm playing Minecraft. If your kid was so stupid he died in a mattress store, what lengths would you go to to make sure you looked like the biggest idiot possible? <laughs> that is an accurate description of yeah. what we just read. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So shock fiction, is that's a whole genre. Yeah, people just making uh, purposefully upsetting... Sh- There's like a sweet spot, I think, where like people are like, can tell clever, funny stories where... With even within the shock of they're just writing yeah. to be edgy, there's just like very funny ways that things are written. I mean, I'm I'm familiar with like that as a concept. I feel like yeah. um, uh, John and Vasquez does a lot of that. But yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know it was like an online subculture too. I thought it was. Yeah, I I am not familiar with a lot of it because a lot of it is just like horrendous. Yeah. Um, Intentionally and, so. Intentionally so, but like also to a degree that isn't very entertaining to talk about. You know, like it's the same thing with like green te- the green text phenomena. Yeah. You know, where like people on on 4chan just like ha- there's like a format to a green text post mm-hmm. where like there's a beat and like a like a rhythm to it of people just like writing these short fiction stories that are absurd and like awful <laughs> on purpose. I, I think that's a good way to describe like the the vibe of the type of thing that I find very funny, yeah. While while also a good descriptor for like the indicator of like the wild swinging between genuinely entertaining and funny and people just trying to do something funny, creative and artistic, and people that are just making the most horrifying shit that have nothing worth considering talking about. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's a wild pendulum <laughs> there where like you really have to sift through the egg. Yeah, and I feel like this is more of kind of a. It is shock fiction, but it's also kind of a black comedy. I feel like that's probably a better way to do things like shock fiction because the moment you make it serious is the moment when it gets weird. You yeah. Know? You can make something like this. It's absolutely hilarious. Because it's absurd and yeah, surreal. Yeah, it, it's a part of the genre, but it also kind of exists outside of it to like showcase the absurdity of it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, some people could just make something upsetting just to be edgy. And yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I like that it treads that line. We're doing some real literary analysis on this, by yeah. the way. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's like, it's hilarious. And I want to properly contextualize my enjoyment of it before you just put it out there that I'm reading this horrible fucking piece of... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. planning on contextualizing my enjoyment of my immortal, so it's yeah. like... Yeah, because sometimes you read stuff like we were reading the Sonic Bible because it's stupid. Yeah. And we're, we're coming at it from the angle specifically coming for its throat. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a byproduct of... of well, I yeah, mean... But this, is a, this is a different phenomenon. Even then, I think the Sonic Bible, like, there's stuff to be said about the confusing tone of it, right? Yeah. With this, the tone is perfectly clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's And it's it's written by someone who actually writes, and I think that's why yeah. it achieves... You, you know, are a fucksock is more raw <laughs> than when the kids die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. That's another thing I will say about this person. Whoever they are, they are excellent at dialogue. Yeah. They're very good at writing dialogue. You goddamn cheap. I am convinced that this dude wrote this while on cocaine looking at a mirror and, like, emoting <laughs> as he's writing to make sure he yeah, got everything uh, right. No, his, his mirror yeah. reflection was speaking it at him and he yeah. was writing it down. Like, there, there is... I, I don't like being the what kind of... But, like, this has big, like, I am going to purposefully do coke and write some absurd shit and using it like a superpower. This guy is... Like, the power-up coke in, um... <laughs> fucking no exit or whatever <laughs> this so a long long time ago i was uh in the room while he was playing league of legends there was a guy he was on the call with who he did coke while he played league of legends because he thought it increased his reaction time i think that guy is this guy's evil twin like this is his good twin. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I feel like it's it's got the same energy. What, whatever dark god is whispering <laughs> thoughts into their ears that they cannot control, this guy is taking that and using it for at the very worst neutral purposes. Whereas Cocaine League of Legends guy is just out there to be a monster. Yeah, yeah, and not do something productive with his gift. Yeah. <laughs> you have the snorting a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Dude, the least you can do after snorting some coke is write something bonkers or jerk off for 12 hours straight. <laughs> if you if you do cocaine, you have to either jerk off for 14 hours straight or write something absurd on purpose. And on that note, I think we should say goodnight. All right. Good <laughs> and that was Carl White's Mattress Planet and our, uh, I guess, our first accidental episode. Um, so thank you, as always, for Aria, um, for creating our theme music. You can find her on Twitter at TubeLitch. If you want early access to episodes, you can follow me on Patreon, you can subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode. And remember, folks, don't shit where you read. Wait, no, it's the other way. <laughs> it's all right. This is episode two. Uh, <laughs> pretend that I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> all right.